It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, everybody, welcome in. Uh, We start today's show with uh, some news that uh, is just crossing the wire. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. According to uh, a report from The Athletic and uh, reporter Chris Vanini, who covers college football for The uh, Athletic, He cites a source that says AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco will announce his retirement. Uh, That could, I don't know if that means imminent. Don't know if that means uh, in a year. Don't know if that means that the, I would, I would guess it would be at the end of the academic uh, year. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying, Pilk, at the end of the, at at the end of the academic school year. If that makes any sense. After the Pirates win the College World Series and he goes out on top with the World Series. <laughs> there you go. I like the positive thinking. Uh, this is a blow to the American. I think Mike Oresco's been nimble. I think he's put together as good a league as you could put together with uh, schools that aren't quite as, I'll say, low down, but just schools that aren't quite at the level that. Uh, you know, the, these current Conference USA schools, Army, we talked about Liberty and their sham of a schedule yesterday. And, um, you know, I, there, there's some places that probably could be American-level schools, but, I mean, the vision there has been uh, either, you know, major schools in major cities or schools in major cities. Uh, and in the case of East Carolina, for example, you're looking at uh, – a major fan base that, you know, represents a region. Um, tough blow. I, I really do think it is. I think um, whoever the league is going to hire next, uh, the league's presidents and chancellors are going to hire next, it has to be somebody who uh, has a little bit of uh, dynamic, out-of-the-box thinking. And uh, I also firmly believe that it has to be somebody that is uh, – knows how to structure media deals. Uh, So we will see. That was the one thing, you know, as much complaining as we do about the money we get for television, it's still better than all but now four conferences. And so in order for the Mountain West not to overtake the American, you need somebody who's pretty sharp uh, in that regard. And we like having the commissioner uh, on the show. Mike Oresco, because it's a day off, Pilk. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, I, I've met some long-winded people in my life. It might be at the top of the list. It's a day off for all of us. I'll never forget the time uh, we were over the summer, and Oresco was, uh, he's calling you in five minutes. He's calling you in 15 minutes. He's going to call you next. He got delayed. He's going to call you at this time. We're into the second half hour of the show going to call you in two minutes. And we're about to, I mean, we vamped the whole hour. 
and we got to like 651 and he called. Excuse me, 551. It was probably 651 by the time we ended the show. We just went for it, baby, at that point. Unfettered, 30-plus minutes, overtime. Heads would explode in the radio ranch now if we ran that much over. Wouldn't they? They would. But that was... And then I remember, you know, the commissioner's been here a couple times. We've we've talked to him both times. He's been here. Always great to catch up with Mike Oresco. I missed the kickoff of a game at ECU in the press box because I was talking to the commissioner. You know what he did, Philip? He bought you a beer and you guys had a grand old time. No, no. He just gave a long-winded answer. That's, that's why I missed <laughs> But uh, according to reports, Mike Oresco will announce his uh, retirement. So, uh, hey, congrats to... Commissioner Oresco, great, uh, long, and very distinguished career. So there you go. All right, uh, some other news out of the uh, world of sports. It looks like uh, Duke is zeroing in on Manny Diaz, who is the defensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, Could happen by the time we're on radio. Could happen. Could happen tomorrow. Could happen overnight. Uh, Diaz, of course, uh, has coached at uh, Miami most recently as a head coach. So Manny Diaz, who's a real salesman kind of guy, uh, looks like he'll be the next coordinator or the next head coach for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, we're going to talk to Brian Mull about this. He'll be with us in a few minutes. Uh, we're also going to have Jim Zoki on in the next segment today. But uh, in the next uh, few minutes or excuse me, later on in the show, we're going to have a mole on to talk about some college basketball and some goings on there. Uh, by the way, uh, South Carolina lost yesterday to Clemson. So that means uh, they'll come in seven and one to Greenville on Saturday. Still a, an excellent record and still a, a big name from the SEC coming in. But uh, their first defeat at the hands of Clemson. Clemson's pretty good this year. But uh Pilk, I don't know if you saw this. John Rahm reportedly, it is uh, being reported by Front Office Sports, is leaving the PGA Tour to join Live Golf. In fact, uh, it's a Wall Street Journal article that uh, Front Street or Front Office is is citing. So, expected to be announced sometime this week. Multi-year deal for Rahm. It's among the richest that the golf organization has ever uh, honored or ever offered excuse me um not not surprised pilk are you no not at all but i think this is not as big of news as this would have been two or three years ago because of the merger that's going to inevitably happen i mean yeah he's going to get that live money and good for him but uh you know, it's kind of one of those things like how much does this actually mean moving forward? It's going to be interesting to see because obviously we still got a lot of kinks to work out or they have a lot of kinks to work out, but not at all surprised. He's marketable. I think he's a uh, one of the fan favorites, so um, not not surprised at all. And he is high enough in the world golf rankings and has the, enough major, you know, has the major success. He'll be able to participate in all the majors, right? And you, and you got to think he's going to win a major. One at least in the next few years, so he'd be, he'd be exempt, right? Yeah, I mean, he just won something this past year, didn't he? Rom is 
Rom's C game, Rom's D game is better pilk than uh, most guys' A game. For sure. So uh, that is interesting, though. And here's the other thing I think you've got to wonder. Is he going to, is the PGA Tour going to suspend him? Right? They they definitely could. He won the Masters, Pilk, a little yeah. thing called the Masters. So that the means he's year. in the Masters for every year till the end of his life. That means he's in every other major for the next like 10 or 15 years, depending on right. which major it is. So all he's got to do is win another one of those in the next 10 years to stay in other ones. Yeah, he'll be fine. I like his chances. I like his chances. But um, that that's the big question now with this, as you say, merger. And we'll get Mole to talk about this. Is now the, Does this lead to uh, the PGA not suspending like they have the other players? And does this allow some of those other players to return to the PGA events? All right, we are going to grab a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to get with uh, Jim Zoki, talk a little Panthers. I mean, we got (laughs) him. We're going to have the game on Sunday on our radio station. Is that a selling point? Uh, It was the right thing to do that you mentioned it as an employee. That's all I got. Got it. Got you. All right. uh, Stay tuned. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on this Thursday as uh, we continue on on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. Download the new IBX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. So as uh, we predicted uh, and talked about when this uh, came out, uh, Mike Oresco will retire at the end of the academic year, 23-24. The uh, commissioner for all 11 years in the American, uh, which is uh, seemed like it's been constant change. And again, I think he's done a really nice job of – Rolling with the changes, as REO Speedwagon would uh, would sing. Uh, and, of course, he was named the Big East Commissioner in 2012, right around the time BCS was kicking in. And so, uh, Mike Oresco, we'll, we'll need to get him on, obviously, uh, very, very soon. Let's go to the phone lines now. We've got uh, Panthers football for you this weekend on Talk 103.7 uh, WTIB. The uh, one and only Jim Zoki joins us uh, here. It's been a couple weeks. Zoke, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for uh, coming on with Philip last week, too, by the way. Very kind of you. You're a good man. Well, Philip does a good job. Yeah, he does. And he's a passionate Panthers fan. And uh, we have a lot of them that listen to the show. So, Zoak, uh, as we sit here, uh, another close shave last week. You know, we're, I guess that means something, but where, where do you. What's your feel for where this uh, team is, and uh, what is your feel for the locker room and the coaching staff? You know, at this point, after another dejecting loss, and uh, despite these close games in a lot of cases, just one win to show for it. 
Well, the big story, of course, last week was, you know, they fired the coach, Frank Reich, and so Chris Tabor, the interim coach, uh, and he's out there, you know, putting together in the interim role of what he's been assigned to do, which is try to get some wins on the table, get the most out of the players they've got there. So, I mean, at this point, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere with the season, but I think, you know, you're evaluating young players and what Bryce Young's development looks like. Somebody like Chuba Hubbard, you know, running the ball last week for over 100 yards. You know, who are the guys that are going to be carried forward out of this season into next year with a new coaching staff and, and what they're going to try to present here after getting things uh, sideways this year. I mean, obviously there was a, a lot with a new coach and a rookie quarterback coming in that didn't mesh well, and that's why you see these changes being made on the fly organizationally with what they've done to this point. So, yeah, they were close last week, but, you know, at some point, you know, you got to start winning games. They've had a lot of one-possession games scoring-wise, but uh, they, they overall it's been kind of the same thing where they're just not getting enough production out of the offense. They've got, you know, some personnel issues on the offensive line that they just are not going to be able to fix within the season. Uh, but, you know, hopefully for their sake, you know, they can get a couple wins out of this before they get out of here and, and you know, continue to get Bryce headed in the right direction. Some players uh, that didn't participate in practice on uh, Wednesday, uh, Moten, uh, Thielen, Hill. Um, I'm sure there's some others, um, one of the defensive tackles. Uh, and then uh, J.C. Horn and Jeremy Chen, group of nine that were limited in the uh, session. So how's the health right now of the team? Yeah, a lot of that's like uh, every week. Those are like uh, veteran days for guys like Adam Thielen yeah, and Moten and guys right. like that. They just don't practice. but So it's uh, – I don't think they suffered any significant new injuries in the game itself uh-huh. last week. So I think what they had last week as far as personnel is what they'll have available for the game at New Orleans this week. Is there any way you and I could get veteran days? You know, we just sort of take off in the middle of the week. I feel like you did last week. I was on with Philip, as I recall. So I feel like that has happened. <laughs> well, I was doing games. I wasn't, I wasn't slacking. Zoke, I was I was working, just oh, working elsewhere. I was doing games. Listen to the sense. I was doing games. The word games itself. It yeah. wasn't like you went well, to no, a had... salt mill or something like that. You went you went to a game. <laughs> well, I had like a bang yeah, bang just bang. Just back up from the submarine, boy, what a busy day at the nuclear lab. I mean, you went to a game. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's. It, what can I say? I'm I'm. I'm a working class hero, Zoak. You know this. It's, you know, I'm just I'm out here. A lot of '80s I'm, rock references from you today. Yes. Um, well, who's your favorite uh, '80s rock band? I just saw where my Chicago Cubs. You know, they've started doing concerts in uh, at Wrigley Field now, and uh, they're going to have Def Leppard, Journey, and Steve Miller band in okay. a uh, on the card sometime. I think in July. Uh, but who, who's who's Zoak's go to <laughs> '80s rock? And who's left in Journey at this point? They traded lead singer like 25 years ago. I, I grew up, uh, I, a couple of, Van Halen was big for me, but I've been a lifelong Springsteen fan. Uh, so that's, that, that goes back, you know, to, for me, I guess you'd say 70s, even though I was a, a small, a small child. Right. Uh, but Springsteen's kind of been a, a lifelong. I saw him in high school when I was like 16 years old, and he's still out there performing to his credit. So I think, uh, I say, as far as going back to that that time frame, you know, the the boss Bruce Springsteen definitely be near the top of of all that. Did uh, was that your first concert, a Springsteen concert? It was. Yeah, I was sixteen years old when my brother and I went. Uh, we were both in high school at that time, and I remember um, seeing the concert. And then I went. Uh, Springsteen came back to like a year or two later. I went with a buddy of mine. It was back in the days, if you recall, where you had to camp out to get tickets. 
And so we, we camped out overnight, like in a parking lot. And my buddy about three in the morning goes, I am exhausted. I can't do this. If I if you really go sleep in the car, I'll buy your ticket, which was like 20 bucks. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> I'm up anyways. So I got to go for right. free the second time because I stood in line and I got the tickets uh, first thing in the morning, woke him up, drove back. And so, yeah, that's how far back I go with that. Pilk, what was your first concert? Uh, Leonard Skinner, 38 Special, and I think it was just Brett Michaels. I don't think all of Poison was there. I think it was just Brett gotcha. Michaels. That's not a bad one. 38 Special would be good. I've seen Skinner. Mine was uh, Rockin' Rod Stewart, guys. Oh, wow. Was he still kicking yeah. soccer balls into the audience at that time, or had he already stopped <laughs> think, that because he'd been sued? I think he'd, uh, he was still doing soccer balls. at that. So this is before he became Showtune Stewart. He was still Rockin' Rod at this point, so... He'd not done his, uh, yeah, he'd not done all of that, but uh, it was good. It was good. Great voice. Um, we continue on with Jim Zoki here. Uh, you mentioned Journey. Uh, the second, one of the major dates I took my now wife on was a Journey concert because she's a big fan. And uh, you're right, they have the new singer, but they had a lot of the other, uh, old guys in it. Who sounds just like but, Steve Perry. It's amazing. He does. Yeah, he really does. And so on the bill was Foreigner. And it Ooh, might Graham. as well have been a... And I, and I and I paid for, like, really good seats because I was still courting. And so, I mean, this was very expensive. Uh, and there was not an original member in Foreigner. Because Mick Jones, this is when he would take off and not do shows in certain markets, and Raleigh was one of them. And so... I saw I saw a very expensive foreigner cover band that night. They were well, good. The bottom line, Patrick, is it was worth every penny of it because it worked. You're obviously married, so it's a, it paid off right. in the in the big picture. Well, I guess you know you know when my wife comes to her senses and splits, <laughs> right? Like like one of the bands you talked about. I want to hear the sadness of the band splitting up. No. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy have uh, to the, stay together. Don't, I'm not falling for this. Yes. Right. The great Jim Zoki is here. Uh, Pilk has more sensible Panthers questions. Take it away, Pilk. Well, Zoke, uh, obviously the uh, tough news broke yesterday about Hayden Hurst. Uh, I was kind of wondering if you could give us a deep dive into that. I know it's medical, so, you know, HIPAA violations. I don't know what all you can and can't say, but um, what kind of is the deal? I mean, does it sound like his career's over? Because that's kind of what I possibly got from it. And uh, I heard him on NFL radio last week. He sounded fine. Is this something that just kind of came up in the last 48 hours or so? Yeah, I don't have like, I uh, wish I did. I don't, I don't have a deep dive for you. Except I saw uh, just the story that his father had you know, tweeted about post-traumatic amnesia. So just that amount of the story mm. is what I saw there. Um, you know, when, so when a player in the NFL goes in concussion protocol, they don't really they know, but they don't reveal the stages like they're early in concussion protocol. They're at this point. I mean, sometimes you'll see a player that's uh, getting back on the practice field, which is the last step before they're able to return and so forth. And he has been uh, at times uh, on the side of the field doing some things. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it means as far as, you know, long-term prognosis, what it means health-wise going forward. Um, so we'll see. I wish I had a better answer for you. But outside of his dad sending out some information that was picked up with the story, I don't have a lot more beyond uh what they said as far as the concussion protocol. And again, just the, the thing about the, the post-traumatic amnesia, I'd actually never even heard that medical term before as far as a football yeah. player goes. That's interesting. P 
Pilk, anything else you want to ask Zoke? He's the man. It's a good time to ask him. Yeah, no, I've got, you know, looking at this team this year, obviously, you know, Bryce has been throwing from his backside because the offensive line cannot pass pro. But it seems like that, you know, as long as they've stuck to gap schemes, especially inside, they've they've ran block pretty well. I mean, could you see this team? I know you want to develop Bryce, but also you got to try and win some games. It seems like I know our long touchdown drive against the Cowboys. I think there was only two pass attempts. Could you see this team going to a more conservative play calling down the stretch here to just try and win some games and not hand Chicago the first pick? Or are we full force ahead in you know developing Bryce and letting him throw the football as, as often as possible? Now, I think we, we saw that last week with Thomas Brown doing the play calling is you're right. There was a lot of this kind of sticking to this developmental, you know, passing game that they were trying to, you know, you know every week try to, you know, get Rice up to speed with, and it just wasn't, you know, the bashing, obviously. So I think we saw last week with Chuba carrying the ball 25 times, going over 100 yards. They're kind of going back to what the last interim coach did, which was Steve Wilkes, and what this uh, a lot of this line, as far as the type of players are built to be, which is more downhill road graders like Bradley Bozeman, guys like that are more comfortable in that kind of. Uh, offensive line everybody you know is required to do both pass pro and run block but you're you're usually better at one or the other and i think icky aquanu the same way is better uh as a guy that uh, more consistently is good in the you know that deciding part of the game as opposed to the pass blocking part of it one-on-one so i think we'll see more of that and we saw it last week so i think that was kind of a sample of what they're going to do and we had um coach Tabor on panther talk monday night and he said hey well, i'm one of those coaches if we run the ball on first down, we get two yards. I'm not going to abandon the run. I'm going to stick with it till we start getting bigger runs and things like that. So, yeah, um, you'll see more of that moving forward over these next five games. Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network, is uh, with us uh, here. The uh, Panthers at the uh, Hated Saints this uh, weekend. Uh, it is uh, going to be... <clears throat> Uh, a one o'clock start. So that means on uh, December 10th, it'll be a 12 noon uh, beginning to the pregame on the network. And uh, you can hear all of that on 1037 WTIB talk 1037 WTIB. Um, let me ask you, uh, I was going to ask you a little bit about Bryce Young. Pill covered that. So let me shift gears on you a little bit. Favorite 90s band. No, um, the, <laughs> the real the real question is, uh, you obviously follow all this very, very closely and have for years. What was proposed by the NCAA this week with this, you know, pay-to-play division? What what is I mean, beginning of the end, a bold new world. Where what are your thoughts on this? Because you you obviously can look at it from many perspectives. I tend to look at things through the ECU perspective because uh, it's what I do every day. Uh, you've got a taste of that now, so you kind of have that perspective. Not you, not that you didn't before, but you know, I think also too with what you cover. With the ACC, I mean, you look at it through their perspective. So just just give me a little bit of an idea of what you think about that proposal. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it, first of all. I don't know like how far down the road they are as far as actually making that a real thing that happens. I think it's it's kind of floating an idea out there kind of a thing. More than anything else right now, as far as what you're talking about with pay college athletes and having you know a different division or league or whatever you would call it at, at this point. So... I, I just hate the whole direction where it's gone. I think, you know, there's certainly a certain amount where the, the players should be in on the revenues, tons of revenue, so there should be some uh, amount of that. Uh, but this kind of unlimited 
free agency and it's just, you know, straight up, no rules about, you know, length of service to a school. You can just come and go every year. There's no guardrails. Um, I just don't even know how programs even keep up with, you know, stacking rosters. You just continually in flux. And that's on top of kids that graduate, kids that go pro, kids that are just transferring for other reasons other than chasing money and things like that. So it's kind of a mess to me. It's a little unwieldy. So I don't even know, you know, what the end game would be for that. We'll see, like the proposal you're talking about, if it even comes to be real, uh, more than an idea yeah. on a piece of paper. But I just, um, just all of that, just the, the, the open transfer portal constantly, the no cap limit on NIL. I just feel like there should have been some kind of parameters put out. And just as a, for instance, you know, back in the day, if you transferred, you could, but you had to sit out a year. And I'm, I'm in favor of something like that because then you still have the freedom. Like, yes, you're free to transfer, uh, but you have to go to school for a year. So now you go to the, your next school and you actually have to show up in class and go for a year and, and be a student. And then you can play. So I, I think that's part of being in college. That should be part of that as well. So I'm not trying to punish kids, but it's just like this, it's just not good for anybody. And I think there's, you lose the whole you know, learning behind upperclassmen. You know, you come in, you don't play right away, so you're unhappy, so you leave. It used to be like, well, you wait your turn. You know, somebody else is there, and they're better, or they've been there longer, and then if there's an injury or they move on, then, then it's your turn, and you learn under the upperclassmen as a lowerclassman. So I just think so much of it's being missed out on right now. And we got uh, Brian Mull in the uh, green room, so to speak, and, uh, I mean, we were talking about it the other day, and, and basically – uh, the teams that are really doing well at the start of the basketball season actually have older guys, be it through, you know, grad transfer type of things in the portal, or uh, they've been able to somehow keep their roster together. And those are the teams that are, are having some success. Uh, last thing for you, go Zoke. Uh, and uh, ECU has hired its new offensive coordinator. Uh, certainly uh, there has, speaking of the portal, a lot of work that needs to be done to, uh, to shore up the talent on that side. But uh a young guy who's uh, learned under guys like uh, Helton and Kiffin and Latrell, so uh, he's uh, he's he's been at the learning tree of of some good offensive minds. We'll see uh, how it is when he's calling the plays. Yeah, I like the, I watched the press conference. I, I liked what he had to say about it. And, uh, Coach Houston, as far as they don't even know each other, but uh, just you know, picking. Yeah, and I like that too. Sometimes you need a fresh approach. And to go out of the box. And you mentioned some of the coaches he's worked under and the philosophies that he'll bring. And he seems very like hitting the ground, ready to run and, and go with it. I know he'll finish with the bowl game with Ole Miss, but, uh, I just like the sound of it. You know, just it's what is college football today. And I think that's good from a winning standpoint. It's good from a recruiting standpoint. It's good for a fan standpoint to have that and, and much needed as we all saw last year. And he said it. I mean, you've got to get quarterback right. So obviously they're going to hit that quarterback room to where they have the kind of quarterback that fits what they're going to need. It sounds like it'll be one of those quarterbacks that can run and pass, so multifaceted to do all the things that are needed in today's college football. So I think it's a great hire. And when you get a guy who's got you know the pedigree of that and coming from the SEC, I think you know you really want to entice kids to want to come play here, and then the success that will come with that. So I think it's a great hire. Hey, uh, great to talk to you, uh, Zoke. Appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll catch up uh, with you next week. Maybe if you're, we'll, we'll twist your arm and get you to do it. So, all right, all right. thank you, Zoke. Talk to you soon, you man. All right, guys. See you there later. Goes. Great, Jim Zoki with us uh, here. Here's Zoke on uh, Sunday as the Panthers visit the New Orleans Saints on our sister station, Talk 1037 WTIB. The kickoff time is uh, at one pregame at noon. 
Little bit of uh, breaking news from uh, Football Scoop here. Former FBS coordinator to join ECU staff, Mike uh, Matt Maddox, rather. Matt Maddox is expected to become ECU's offensive line coach, according to Football Scoop. Maddox is the former coordinator at McNee, previously coached O-lines while holding running game coordinator or co-offensive coordinator duties at Bowling Green, Tulsa, Texas, South Florida, and UTSA. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is uh, from Football Scoop. In the last few minutes, Matt Maddox is expected to be announced as uh, ECU's new offensive line coach. So he uh, brings a little bit of experience. It's a play-calling experience, which will be a good thing for uh, John David uh, Baker, I'm sure. All right, Philip the Ref Pilkington with other headlines for you now, and then we'll get to Brian Mull, talk some hoops, talk some golf, major golf news. And uh, some news involving HV3 this morning. So uh, let's uh, send it now to Philip the Rep Pilkington. He'll give us an update, and then we'll uh, catch up with Brian Mull. Thank you, P-Man. We will start in Pirate Athletics, or Pirate Athletic opponents, I should say. Last night, South Carolina fell to Clemson 72-67. It was the first loss of the season for the Gamecocks, who will come into Minji's Coliseum on Saturday at 7-1. and Tip-off is scheduled for noon. Network coverage will start right here on 94.3 The Game as part of the ECU Sports Network at 11.30. Last night, the Canes fell 6-1 to to the Edmonton Oilers, but have a quick turnaround as they will stay in the province of Alberta and travel to Calgary tonight to take on the Flames. 25-year-old outfielder Juan Soto is taking his talents to the Bronx as part of a seven-player trade. The Yankees will also receive fellow outfielder Trent Grisham and the Padres will receive right-handed relievers Michael King, Johan Brito, and Randy Vasquez, as well as starting pitcher Drew Thorpe and catcher Kyle Hiyashioka. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by Brian Mole to talk all the latest golf news and college basketball as the season is now in full swing. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 94.3thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. All right, uh, welcome back. Brian Mall is uh, with us uh, today. And uh, before we get to Brian, a couple of uh, breaking news items in case you were, uh, missed it. Uh, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American, will be uh, retiring at the end of the academic year. So that's a big blow to the uh, American. He's done a fine job of navigating kind of the ever-changing college football or college athletics landscape. And uh, we've also got uh, news that uh, Mike Maddox, M-A-T-T-O-C-K-S, or is it O-X? Well, Mike Maddox, who's uh, been a coordinator at McNeese State, M-A-T-T-O-X, Maddox. Matt Maddox will be the uh, new offensive line coach at East Carolina University, according to reports. All right, let's go to Brian Mull. I mean, the, the news just doesn't stop there. There's uh, a lot of breaking news kind of happening today. And uh, he joins us here uh, from uh, his abode in the Port City, golf writer, college basketball writer, uh, Brian Mull, at VG Mull. You can follow him there on uh, Twitter. All right. Uh, I would like to start with golf, if you're fine with that, because, uh, you know, the report broke yesterday that John Rahm is headed to live. You and I had talked about that, I think, off the air, maybe even on the air at some point. But uh, does that surprise you, Brian? And uh, what will the PGA's reaction be to this? Are they going to suspend Rahm like they have 
uh, other live golfers? Well, <clears throat> what I'm hoping is uh, this is another step in the direction of allowing the best players to play against each other. I mean, this is a bit of a surprise to me. I mean, Rom been a little ambiguous with his public comments, uh, you know, first saying that he had enough money to retire and it, it was motivated by that. But I, but I think the, uh, the possibility of reuniting with the Spaniards being given his own franchise and, of course, a lot of money. I don't think all that money that is being reported is cash, but certainly a, a stake in a team that they're hoping can become worth uh, something approaching that amount. Uh, it's a huge blow for the PGA Tour. There's no other way to slice it. I mean, you're talking about the reigning Masters champion. You're talking about someone who has uh, who has been as neutral as possible through all of this, and I think gained a lot of fans. I think his uh, his acceptance speech, uh, you know, after he won the championship last year at the Masters, was was up there as one of the best all time. Just uh, very poignant words. His respect for the history of the game, Seve Ballesteros. Uh, the, the roots there and, and his place in it, which is why it surprises me a little bit. But um, just add him to the list of people who are disgruntled with uh, the way things have been handled by Jay Monahan and his cronies on the PGA Tour side. And again, let's just hope that this somehow the resolution down the road is that uh, we have the, the best players uh, competing against one another more frequently. Tiger Wood was Tiger Woods was kind of the story last week with the Hero Challenge, uh, and he looked really uh, good at times uh, last week. And uh, if he's dealing with soreness rather than pain, it, who knows what Tiger can string together? Especially uh, if he gets off to a hot start in, uh, in any events that he'll play in. Uh, Tiger, you know, there was a question posed to him in one of the press conference or the press conference he participated in last week about would you. Um, you know, be a part of the Ryder Cup next time around. That would be in the U.S. And, and again, you and I, Mull and I talk so much. I forget when we talked on the air or off the air. But basically, we said in our conversation, he needs to be the captain in four years when they're on European soil because that's where the Americans need to, to break through. With all of that said, um, Tiger did say in his press conference, it's the point I'm getting to, we've got a lot of things on the tour to work out first. So do you think he knew this ROM thing was coming? Or is that uh, this just kind of an additional fuel to the fire? Uh, I'm sure he had an idea. I mean, Tiger doesn't strike me as being in the dark about anything that interests him, you know, that, that he needs to know about. He, he's got the right people around him to be able to procure that information. And by all accounts, has a pretty good relationship with Rom. Um, so they may have spoken about it privately. You never know. But I think Tiger's looking at his life. I mean, obviously, uh, he, he has Charlie and, and his daughter, but specifically Charlie, who, who he, he spend, wants to spend a lot of time with, and that takes up a huge chunk of his time. He, he's trying to play, which is a process of, of uh, you know, gearing up for a week, competing for a week, and then the rehabilitation that's going to come, you know, for a couple of weeks after that, the recovery. And then now with his appointment to the policy board, uh, you know, that's going to take a large chunk of his time too. And, and Tiger is going to be all in on that and certainly be the voice 
in the room. Uh, he has been even when he was outside the room. He's the he's the one who commands respect more so than uh, the commissioner or certainly any of the other players or or uh, representatives of the tour. And I just think with uh, with private funding coming into to the tour to help it. Uh, remain sustainable going forward and to be able to offer the type of purses that players are looking for. Uh, Tiger uh, knows that he's going to have to be heavily involved in that uh, in, in some meetings with with people, uh, giving them confidence that they're making a wise investment with their hundreds of millions of dollars going forward. And, um, you know, should he be the commissioner? I mean, would you, if you just, were, that was yeah, they should just make him the commissioner. I think he's going to be the commissioner in everything but name going forward, because uh, if there's something he feels strongly about, uh, that's going to that's going to happen. And if there's something strongly against uh, it, will not. Ryan Mull uh, with us. We're talking golf. We're going to talk some college basketball with him. We're going to hold him over to the next segment. Final thing to wrap up this segment. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Harold Varner III, ECU golf alum, HV3, has been traded to the four aces on the live tour for Peter Ulin? Uline. Uline. Uline to the Range Goats. HV3 to the Aces. Stop the presses. <laughs> this is Stop right the up presses. there with uh, this is one of the all-time trades in the history this, of sports. Well, this is just with, with what the Yankees just pulled off. I think this should bump it off the wire is what I think, you know. I have no idea what any of it means. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I I'll tell you what it means. Harold is going to continue to be paid insane money to play golf. That's what right. it means. Good for, good for him. He's got to get some new shirts. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, change, he's, he'll be playing practice rounds with, with a new group of people. Uh, I, I thought, I don't know who those people are, to be honest. I thought he and Bob <laughs> Watson were very close, um, but apparently not that close. Uh, as a, an aside, there was another trade made today. Uh, Brooks Kepka, besides being a, uh, a incredible golfer and, and you know, the most decorated major champion of his time, could perhaps be the most savvy general manager because he worked a trade for Matthew Wolf, who was basically worthless this year and who they, he had a personal <laughs> dispute with, right. for Taylor Gooch who was the MVP of Live Golf. I mean, I think he won four tournaments last year. Uh, and Pretty good. Uh, that, that, to me, how he pulled that off. Uh, let's put Brooks Kepka in charge of something Look, way more important you know than what, Live Golf. Games. Well, yeah, you know what they say, Mole, ain't no season like Live Golf hot stove season. So, <laughs> all right, uh, a timeout. And when we come back, we're going to talk some college ball with Mole. I, I promise you we will. Uh, lots ooh, lots to talk about uh, there. So uh, we're going to break. And when we come back, we will uh, have Brian Mole chatting with us about uh, some college hoops, including ECU's big game this weekend against the uh, Gamecocks, South Carolina. Be back. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Golf writer Brian Mall, basketball writer Brian Mall at BG Mall on X, joins us here. 
got built to pull you a little widespread coming back in, Maul. So name that tune. Climb the safety. Okay, here you go. I have no idea. By the way, we were talking earlier in the uh, show about uh, Def Leppard and uh, Steve Miller and Journey all going on tour, on like a stadium tour this summer, but also Heart and Cheap Trick are joining that bill, too. It's a pretty solid old rock uh, quartet there, five groups. I mean, you got some Hall dust of Famers off your in albums. Dust out, Yeah. Dust, dust out the lava lamp and get, get with it. Yeah. Get with Black it. Light. All right. Uh, anything more impressive than UNCW's win after they lost at ECU uh, last Thursday a week ago to come out and uh, just take it to Kentucky uh, wire to wire? Is that, is that the most impressive road win this year for anybody? I, I think so. Um, I mean, certainly you, you watch them uh, not play their best at ECU. Uh, credit to East Carolina for their defense in the second half. But, you know, UNCW had a poor shooting night. And then quick turnaround, hopped on a charter to, to go up to Lexington. You have to play, a, you know, obviously this is Kentucky, future NBA players. Uh, Kentucky coming off one of the most impressive wins in recent history under John Calipari, the way they had just dismantled Miami. And, uh, you know, UNCW goes up there, and like you said, they took the fight to Kentucky. This was not a fluke. They outplayed them. Uh, led the game for 34 minutes, led it by double figures in the first half. And, you know, I think the most impressive thing, like we we, we see these matchups every year. There's hundreds of them. And, and the, and the mid-major or the 18-point the underdog comes in and has a hot shooting half and uh, maybe has the lead at halftime. But then at some point, you know, the, the, the crowd gets into it. The home team gets it together. They take the lead, and they, they kind of run away and end up winning by 15. And that's the way it looked like this game was going. Kentucky took a six-point lead pretty early in the second half. And for UNCW to then come back from that, take control of the game, and 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 make the plays down the stretch, uh, hats off to Takeo Siddle. I think a, a really uh, uh, just a breakout performance for Trezarian White. People in the region and in the CAA have known how good he is, but uh, he he was the best player on the floor uh, on, in a, on a floor where many guys are going to make millions of dollars and have lengthy NBA careers. Two quick points on the the follow up on what you just said. Obviously, uh, that is uh, I think makes the ECU win that much more impressive. And two. Uh, it's a shame we really won't be able to see much of the Seahawks because that league has signed uh, an idiotic deal with Flow Sports instead of uh, maybe taking a little less money to sign with ESPN and try to develop the league and, and be able to get more money down the road. But, uh, hey, well, we, we, we'll, you'd, you would see more on Cinemax looking through the scramble than you see on Flow Sports. I mean, it's it's easier to watch that growing up on cable. Google it, kids. All right, uh, Maul, let me ask you this. Uh, the Pirates have uh, South Carolina coming off a loss last night to a very good Clemson team. Uh, Gamecocks are 7-1, and one, so they're off to a, a really good start. They look like a basketball team this year. Uh, Pirates get Ezra Azar back. I think if Ezra Azar plays with that kind of energy and bounce, uh, the Pirates are a much, much better team. Again, I'm considering who he did it against uh, Monday, and I get that. But, again, there's an eye test, and, and he passed it with his engagement into the game and his 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 want to uh, against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. And, and for the Pirates to have success this year, that's got to be him night in, night out. 
Yeah, that I mean, when you look at this ECU team, they have uh, they have four guys, and you might not get them all firing on every night, but uh, you, you need three of them, and uh, between Pettiford, Felton, Johnson, and Asar, and uh, certainly the the interior complement of Asar and Johnson, and his ability to to just get on the offensive glass and make things happen. Uh, to, to finish around the basket and, and give an inside presence. But on both ends of the court, I think he still has some room to improve on defense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big piece of why uh, folks were optimistic about ECU. I think people should still be optimistic. It's been kind of a, a ragged, uneven uh, first couple of weeks uh, to the to the season with some injuries and guys being in and out of the lineup and implementing a new point guard. But I think uh, – you know, the, the play of Pettiford to me is what's most promising about that team. I mean, here's a guy who is in starting to take command of the floor, uh, is really understands the flow of the game and can control the game from an offensive standpoint. Uh, he can certainly get his, but he's not hunting it all the time. He's trying to get his teammates involved. He knows where they need to get the basketball and um, look, you're in college basketball. It's a, no different than than a quarterback in college football. I mean, you're only as good as your the guy who's got the ball in his hands. What about the Gamecocks? What's the uh, scout on them going into uh, Saturday? Well, this is a much better uh, South Carolina team than the one ECU faced last year. It's more of a team uh, that, of course, they had the uh, the highly touted prospect GG Jackson last year. But in in some ways, uh, their metrics with him on the floor were, were pretty awful. Uh, he he has moved on now to professional basketball at some level, and uh, Lamont Paris uh, in his second season did a good job of mining the transfer portal. And, and, and retaining some key guys. Michi Johnson has really emerged as their floor leader at point guard. And then B.J. Mack, a, a transfer who had a very nice career at Wofford, has given them an inside presence. And, uh, you know, they, they're going to um, – they're just solid on both ends. It's nothing flashy. They're kind of deliberate in the way that they attack on offense. But uh, this is a South Carolina team that, uh, again, is, is better. It's going to end up higher in all of the, the, the metrics – I think they have a chance to kind of get into the middle of the SEC as opposed to last year when it was pretty obvious they were going to finish at the bottom. All right, Brian Mull, last thing for you here in about a minute. Uh, we knew coming in that, uh, you know, Duke was going to have a tough time at Arkansas, and they did. They lost. It was a close game. But then they come back and they lose the ACC opener to Georgia Tech. I mean, that's you can almost mark that on your calendar. Duke's going to lose the first ACC road game every year now, it seems. So, um, Devils didn't look good. They had a chance uh, before some some uh, you know taunting play late, uh, kind of reverse some momentum. Uh, they've got Charlotte coming up Saturday. Uh, what is uh, what, what's the temperature of things right now in Blue Devil Land? Yeah, it's not good. Um, you know, you can see Shire after the game was pretty frustrated. I think their offense has been a disaster to this point. Basically, a lot of bailouts by either Filipowski or Roach, but just not a lot of continuity or flow. Certainly losing Tyrese Proctor early was, was a killer. And look, this is a good Charlotte team. They're going to have to play well. If they do not play well, that will be a very close game going down the stretch. Yeah, that's Saturday at 2.15. Hey, uh, Brian, great to talk to you. We'll do it next week. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Everybody have a good weekend. All right, there he goes. Brian Mull with us. Uh, 
at BG Mull on X for golf and college hoops observations. All right. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Jim Zoki. We'll be back tomorrow, 105 for the video platforms. Joe Sampson will join us. And then uh, six o'clock on the radio side tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson show. Thanks to Philip the Rep Pilkington. And uh, we'll see you in the morning on Talk of the Town, our uh, Moorhead City Radiothon. And uh, back here at 105 on the video platforms, Friday afternoon, 6 p.m., Patrick Johnson Show. Have a great Thursday evening.